Welcome to Restaurant Influencers, powered by Entrepreneur and Yelp. My name is Sean Walchef, founder of Cali Barbecue Media. Every single week, we will be interviewing the best and the brightest on social platforms that are killing it in the restaurant business and hospitality business. This week's episode is with Sam the Cooking Guy, a mentor, a friend, a restaurateur with four restaurants, Emmy Award winner, 3.3 million YouTube subscribers. Sam the Cooking Guy is the essence of why we created this show. We are grateful to Toast, our primary point of sale partner, who is the primary sponsor of this show. Very excited for you guys to learn every single week how to better tell your story online. These people that we are bringing on, the best guests will be the best on Twitter, the best on TikTok, the best on Instagram. We hope you enjoy the show. You can connect with us at Sean P. Walchef on social, or you can visit us at restaurantinfluencers.media. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Restaurant Influencers presented by Entrepreneur and Yelp. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production in life. And in the restaurant business, we learn through lessons and stories. This is an episode, the first inaugural episode with Sam the Cooking Guy. Sam the Cooking Guy has 15 Emmys, five cookbooks, a quarter of a million followers on TikTok, 200,000 followers on Facebook, 200,000 monthly views on Pinterest. Oh, and by the way, he has 3 million subscribers on YouTube. Sam the Cooking Guy is essentially the essence of why we created this podcast because every business needs to be digital, every business needs to be in the hospitality business, but storytelling is so important to the restaurant space and the hospitality space. Sam, welcome to the show. You know, when you describe me like that, I like me so much more. <laughs> I'm like, shit, I did all that? Yes. Well, Thanks, man. one of the most important things, you know, we own a barbecue restaurant and we wouldn't have been, we wouldn't still be open today if it wasn't for the smartphone, if it wasn't for yeah. storytelling, if it wasn't for all these apps. If you're listening to this podcast, you're in the hospitality space, you're curious about the platforms, you're curious about creating content, finding awareness for your brand. So much of what people want to do, and there's people that are on YouTube that are successful creating food content. There's people that are on TikTok creating food content and they want to open up a restaurant. The first time I had you on Behind the Smoke podcast back in 2017, I know what you're getting. I asked Sam the Cooking Guy. I said, "Sam, will you open up a restaurant?" And we'll put a link into the show notes so that people can go back and listen. Yes. And Sam said, "There is there is no chance that I'm going to open up a restaurant." And yet here you are, four years later, four different concepts, soon to be launching more. How did you do it? Partners, baby. Partners. partners. <laughs> My partners opened restaurants. I didn't. Look, uh, I absolutely meant every word of that that day. Yes. But I found myself in this business in a sort of a, a, a weird roundabout way. My partners uh, were responsible for leasing some space, like realtors that handle restaurant space. And they had the food hall space down here in Little Italy. And they were thinking of uh, finding one tenant for maybe splitting it in two. They came to me and said, look, we think we're going to put a food hall in. How would you feel about being the marketing face of it? That's all. Just the marketing face. How would you feel about being a restaurant influencer for a brand? Yeah, I mean, they certainly didn't put it like that. But they said, look, you got a good reputation in San Diego. You're known for a variety of foods. Nothing specific in one particular area. Uh, you're good with media, you can walk and talk and be interviewed and you might be a great guy to help market this. And I said, yes, I like the idea that every day is different for me and that would be even more 
different extra stuff to do that I dug. So while we were having the conversations about what that relationship would look like, I just casually one day threw out the idea that I had in my head for a while about a taco restaurant that wasn't Mexican-inspired tacos. They were like nonsense-inspired. <laughs> nonsense-inspired. And they go, on-brand. Off-brand. And they go, well, like, what do you mean? And I go, well, things like uh, mashed potato or pulled pork with uh, macaroni and cheese on top of it, and Korean short ribs, stuff like that. And my name for it was Gringo Tacos that we quickly decided was a name that would piss people off on both sides of the border, likely. And they said, wait a minute, what if we join forces? We run restaurants. They had other restaurants up and going. We run the restaurant, but you be the brand and the inspiration, the menu, the food, that, the face of it. We join forces. We think this could work. I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. Uh, and we did. We opened in 2018. It's been great ever since. And then just the other brands started to come along. So we have Not Not Tacos. Not Not Tacos. We're sitting here in Gray's, Grays. right now. Uh, we opened at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, Sandburgers down in Seaport Village. And then uh, a second Sandburgers at the Little Italy Food Hall where Not Not is about, I don't know, six months ago. And it's because of that. You know, I found myself in the food business not because that was my plan i stumbled into it i had an idea about a travel show that sadly 9 11 derailed and i had to do something because i'd quit my my biotech job i feel like cooking found me uh the days following 9 11 i was watching tv had no job to go to couldn't do the travel thing nobody was buying travel in, in the days following 9 11 especially from somebody that never been on tv and Hardly traveled, but I had to do something. And I came across a really horrible in-studio cooking segment on a local morning news program that was so bad, I probably said out loud uh, as I was watching it, that's horrible, somebody should do that better. And that was the light bulb. Wait, maybe I could do it better. Even though I didn't really cook, that was a hole that I thought needed filling. So I took it upon myself to, to be that guy. I think cooking found me. I don't think I found cooking. I think the restaurant business found me. I don't think I found the restaurant business. I really had no interest because, look, it's the most going out of business business. Yes. More restaurants fail, I think, than any other business. I knew just because I could cook and entertain and had a following didn't mean I knew how to run a restaurant so many moving parts and I stayed away from it intentionally because I thought you can't make a success of a place just because you have an okay name you might get a great first night maybe a great first month but if it's not consistent if the food isn't there if you don't know what the hell you're doing it's not going to stay open and so many restaurants fail because people that shouldn't be in the business get into it because they think it's only about food Honey, this Italian restaurant is packed and their lasagna is awful. Your lasagna, on the other hand, is amazing. What if we opened a restaurant? And you know, there's that little spot that's been vacant. Yes. It's been 18 restaurants in the past three years down the street from us. And you know me, you do the kitchen, the lasagna. I'm like the best host at our holiday party. I'll run the front of the restaurant. Don't even know to call it front of the house. I'll be the front guy, you be in the back. We'll be successful. They put all their money into this 
place. It's a horrible location because it's been 12 things. They don't have any money in the bank. They don't know what's going to happen. And three months later, they're out of business. I didn't want that to be me. Fortunately, these guys kind of found me and they do what they do well. And I do my thing. We're together and here we are. So one of the things I'd love for people listening to this podcast to get is your story, your YouTube story specifically, because you were on the platform for seven years. You got yeah. 30,000 mm-hmm. subscribers and something clicked, something yeah. changed. What, what changed and how did you start to really grow your YouTube platform? It's a really simple concept that I don't think a lot of people always get. It's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's what your customers will want. And for maybe seven years, we were doing on YouTube kind of just what we wanted. If I woke up and I felt like doing a Caesar salad of a recipe of my wife's or something, screw it, we do the Caesar salad. And like 11 people would watch. And then I would do this and 12 people might watch or seven. I mean, it was a few more than that, but we were getting 500, 1,000 views for these videos. One day we, we, we looked at what we were doing and said, maybe we should doing, be doing things that our core audience, which were you know, 75, 80% guys between like 18 and 40, what might they want? And my youngest son suggested a uh, garlic bread grilled cheese, I think. And um, I love the idea of the garlic bread, but I made it into a garlic bread steak sandwich. And that was the, the moment that suddenly it wasn't 500 or 1,000 views. It was now 3,000, 4,000, 10,000. Now that one's got a lot, but we went from 30,000 subscribers in 2018 to a million in August of 2019 to 2 million in August 2020 to 3 million in August 2021. All within two days of my, my August 7th birthday, which is, I don't know how that happens. Yeah craziest fluke ever but what was the goal the goal was give the people watching what they wanted i know when i shoot i want to make sure that the person that's looking in that uh, screen it's about them it's about them the first stuff i did were like a minute and a half segments on local morning news and i'd go they'd come to my house we'd shoot a handful of them They'd leave and edit, and then I would go, um, I'd go watch them in the station, the TV station. And I'd say, you know, uh, right here, the, a minute and two seconds, you didn't show the stirring, and the guy was, yeah, people know to stir. I go, look, I want people to watch this and have a perfect idea of how this recipe works. It's important to me. He goes, but if we put that in, we have to take out something funny you might have done or said, and I go, Okay, there's enough entertainment in this. Yes. But w- at the heart of this, it's a cooking segment. I want that person to know what's going on. I care about the person that's in the, in the lens for me. I really do. Even now, I want them to have fun and be entertained and think I'm stupid and enjoy what they're watching, <laughs> whatever it is. I think you learn more when you're enjoying it. For sure. Right? We've all had teachers to teach the same course. One just basically uh, yells the words at you. You have no interest. And then you have a teacher a year later, the same subject that inspires you because they make it really interesting and they draw you in. That's what I want. It's all about the customer. 
That's it. You understand that? I understood that from the camera point of view. Uh, and then when it came time for what we were making, that's when we started to change how we thought. And now we're over 3 million and it's, it's crazy. It's great. So one of the things that's very hard for men to do, for leaders to do, people in the hospitality space, yeah. we spend so much time taking care of other people. You're taking care of your viewers. You're taking care of the people that are watching you, supporting your restaurants. Yeah. It's so hard for us to ask for help. It's so hard for us to have mentors. Who inspires you? Who wants to, who, who do you look at and you go, they inspire me and they, I, I want to be better because of them. You have these deep fucking questions that I'm supposed <laughs> to have an answer. You know what? Like an hour ago, hey, dude, I'm going to ask you who inspires you. And then I would have come in here with some amazing answers and stuff. You guys got an answer? For who inspires you? I would just use that person. Okay, so I, I do have one mentor in the restaurant space. Somebody you know, uh, Howard Solomon. So Howard, I say, is my restaurant spirit animal because... I mean, look, he's been in the restaurant business forever, which doesn't necessarily mean you know stuff, but he knows a lot of stuff. He's opened a lot of really significant places. And before we started, I knew nothing. And my partner said, we have a gift for you. It's this guy right here. And he's going to help you get done in the restaurant what you want. And it was simple in the beginning. Howard would source food. But then our relationship grew. And now... Now... We complete each other's food sentences, kind of. What I could write a book. What I know about the restaurant business, I learned from Howard Solomon. Yeah. Mentorship is so important. My grandfather is somebody yeah. that, you know, I never met my father. I, my grandfather raised me. He was born yeah. in a village. He, the way that he treated his life, the way that he was always curious, yeah. the way he was always reading, was something that every single day he's with me, even though he's not here. Yeah. You've become a mentor to me. Thank you. Because of the way that our, our paths have crossed. You know, well, there's, yeah. there's also times where people that come into your lives, the yeah. team that we have here, yeah. Rising Tides Create, they're helping us create what we want yeah. to let the whole world know. Anybody that's in hospitality, they get to use all of these different platforms to share their story, who they're doing and what they're with. And you, you're able to work with your son. Yeah, I'm very fortunate that way. We argue like two 13-year-old <laughs> like girls fighting over the last pair of shoes at, at a sale, but, but, but it's really great. But look, I don't know anybody really that does what I do. Correct. I can't find an opposite number um, to inspire me. I guess I can take little bits from a bunch of people. A lot of what I see other people do when it comes to uh, YouTube and on-camera stuff... Uh, I don't really follow that. I kind of do my own thing. I feel like I always have. Why is that important? For the people that are listening to this, why, why is, that is important? it important? Authenticity for is everything. When I started, um, I made my demo. Um, it was good. But I, in my early days of TV, I'm trying to think about who's on TV that I should model myself after. Was I going to be like a Bobby Flay? Was I going to be a Jamie Oliver? Who did I like that I could be like? And about six months in to being on television, I finally woke up one day and I went, there's enough of me to be me. Be yourself. Don't try and be somebody else. The world didn't need another uh, Bobby Flay on television. The world didn't need another Emerald or, or whoever. They needed somebody unique. 
I don't need another watch the same stuff I've already seen. So uh, it was literally like an overnight thing, like a like a caterpillar coming out of its cocoon, spreading its wings. That's the day I found my voice. And my voice was straight me. My wife will tell you if you like me on the screen, you'll like me off because I'm the exact same person. There's no front. There's no TV Sam versus off TV Sam. She also says, if you hate me on the screen, you'll hate me off because I'm the exact same guy. And that, to me, that's a huge compliment. Yeah. People will, will come to the restaurant and they go, we've been following you for a long time and we chat for a few minutes. They go, you're the same guy. You seem like you are on, on the screen. I go, I am. And I joke, I go, look, I'm stupid and it's a lot easier just to remember one version of me than, you know, it's like I tell my kids when they were little, if you lie, you have to remember that lie. Yeah. For this much time, because it'll come back and bite you in the ass if you don't. There's only one me. I don't want to remember who I am on screen and then off screen. And then I go here and I'm somebody else. I'm just freaking me. Like me or not, it doesn't matter. I'm me. My grandmother would have said, that's why they make different flavors of ice cream. Not everybody loves vanilla. Not everybody loves chocolate. And I get that. I got it again yesterday. Every so often I go to to read social media comments or comments <laughs> under a YouTube video. It's Everybody like, doesn't love you? Love the video, great work, nice, uh, blah, blah, blah. I never thought of that, I'll do that again. And my cousin told me about you. I've been watching for two months now, we're really happy. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Just like that. Nice comment, nice comment. You're a fucking idiot. You can't cook, you're stupid, you're dumb. Who told you to do this? And that's not how you do that. Ugliest thing ever. So I think that's, what you're saying is something that when I talk to business owners and yeah. people in the restaurant space, it's one of their fears about publishing content, about putting yourself out there, leaning into your authenticity. My wife said to me the day before Not Not opened, you know, up to now, unless it's a private event, people aren't tasting your food. They're watching you taste your food and you go, mm, this is so good. She goes, are you ready now, tomorrow, People will eat your food. Will you be ready for the comments and stuff? And I go, no, I probably won't. I don't like, I don't like that negativity. I yeah. really don't. And I don't want somebody going, oh, this is boring, or the guy can't season food, or he's an idiot, whatever. So I, I, don't know what there, I don't know what the point in that is. It's just, you just have to be prepared for that to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I tell business owners all the time, and restaurant owners especially, is you already have the tough skin. Like you've literally already done what so many people want to do. Yeah. You've, you've run that marathon to get the restaurant open. I mean, I remember going through the story with you, watching you before you opened up Not Not Tacos and you're going on Instagram Live and telling your fans and literally to the point where you choked up. Yeah. It's yeah, emotional. Yeah. It really is. It really is. And I, I know the point of this is, is help restaurateurs get their head around some of the things they're maybe not thinking about. Yeah. The social media aspect of this stuff. The storytelling the, aspect. The storytelling. The right. fact that video is so powerful People and so accessible. People want to be involved in stuff. They really do. The more personal I get on YouTube, in my posts and stuff like that, the more people love it. It's they amazing, right? And I don't expect that everybody has a following like me that opens a restaurant. But the point is, little bits of that 
introduced into what they do can really help make a difference. They really can. Yeah. People have to get that. It is not just about what's on the plate anymore. It may have been at one time. Back in the day, restaurant reviewers went in, they ate something, they said it was shit, and then nobody would go. And, and you know, look, it's uh, Yelp exists, lets everybody do that, but there's so much more that goes into your restaurant experience besides, beside that omelet or that burger or plate of ribs. So much. So not just the restaurant, but also the YouTube. Can you tell us specifically what your YouTube schedule is and yeah. why the schedule is that way and how you've gotten to yeah, that yeah, yeah, and yeah. why you treat it the way that you treat it? Because it is a full-time job. It's your a full-time dedica- job. Your dedication Look, to your channel. We shoot, we air, uh, post three new episodes a week. Three new episodes, 25, 20 to 30 minutes? Or where, where, uh, where are we at now? Yeah, typically these days we're more in the like 12 to 17, 18. And those are analytics-based or that's just recipe-based? Are you specifically choosing to do 12 to 18? Uh, we're finding that a little, sh- look, when we first started, we did this thing called the Sam Livecast. It was really like a combination talk show, cooking show. I would sit at a desk with a mic, camera there, and I would talk about random stuff. And there were two other guys in the back switching shots between them and me. Yeah. I talk about what I had for breakfast, what holiday food was coming up, that kind of stuff. And then I'd say, all right, well, it's time to cook, so uh, let's do that. And the little, uh, you know, 10-second thing would roll. I'd be in the kitchen. I'd go, all right, today we're making broccoli and cheddar soup, whatever. Which, by the way, I've never made that in my life. <laughs> I don't even, I mean, I've had it. It's okay, but I would never. I lo- I'll all tell your you. Media, all your media interviews, you come up with recipes that you've never done. <laughs> I'll tell you, I will never make a broccoli cheddar soup ever. And next week, it's going to show up, and you'll be the one guy yeah. to go, oh, uh, what'd <laughs> hey. you say? So I'm the YouTube comment. So <laughs> those episodes could be an hour or an hour and a half long. Nobody was watching. So we decide to stop this live component because it was a huge pain in the ass. Live is still not perfected. Yeah. It's better now than it was eight, nine, ten years ago. Sure. But but then ah, it wasn't so great. So we stopped that and it was just cooking and we clunked along with just cooking for a while. Uh, and uh, it was okay. And then this garlic bread steak sandwich moment kind of happened. But a lot of other stuff. I mean, you can't just put it down to that. Like you can't just say a restaurant success is about that one plate of lasagna, sure. right? So we made a conscious effort to change the stuff we were making. But there are all kinds of things happening. My son who shoots and edits and essentially produces the stuff. Sam the Cooking Guy's boss on Instagram. Sam the Cooking Guy's boss on Instagram. (laughs) His camera work went from absolutely mediocre, his skills absolutely mediocre, to outstanding. His shit now that we put out, I think looks better than any television I've done. And the two of us have come an awful long way. Uh, I... uh, uh, liken our relationship to ballroom dancing partners. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous. But you know, what's that line of that song? When, when I move, you move. It's like that. We understand each other. He's, he's, he's so comfortable now 
in what he does. Now there's two of them that shoot yep. and edit together. But he's now so comfortable that now he doesn't have to just have his eyes trained into the viewfinder and only thinking about that. Now he can talk. And that has made our on-camera relationship, yes. his behind, mine in front, an important part of the show. Why? Because there's relationship there. Yeah. And people can feel that and people like that. Look, I know we're not for everybody. Like, let's a ice cream thing again. Not everybody likes the same ice cream. I know there's people that they want to see how to make a lasagna. They don't want any fucking around. They don't want some guy talking about uh, his kidney stone problem, which I did on camera once. I even showed my kidney stone. Told people to turn away if you didn't want to see it. You guys ever seen a kidney stone? It's like a black grain of rice, small. It's so innocent looking until I don't even get into it. So, wait, where was I? Your relationship, your Our dancing relationship. partnership with your son. Yeah. So your ballroom dance partner. So we we now can play off of each other and people can feel that. Oh, I know what I was going to say. There's people that click on a lasagna video all they want. They don't want to see anybody. They almost don't want to hear anybody. They just want to see the steps happen. And if somebody talks them through that, that's fine. They Some of those people would never, ever want to watch my stuff. Sure. There's too much, I think, personality. There's yep. too much talking. It's At the same time, I believe, A, it's entertainment, but also when somebody goes, use this item to make this lasagna, right? That's all they say. I'll go, use this item, but but if you don't have that, look at what else you can use. Grab this out of the pantry, do this. I feel like we're really teaching people to cook, and I get that comment all the time, and that makes me happier than anything. My goal that day the few days after 9-11, watching that terrible cooking segment. Terrible. On KUSI there, I've said it. I've told the owner, <laughs> I've told the owner of KUSI, I do what I do because he had a terrible, <laughs> shitty cooking segment on that day. And I said, somebody should make this better. The point was, you weren't learning anything from that chef that day. He was just trying to get you to look at the food and go, this is delicious. Looks, that looks good, we'll go to his restaurant. It's an admirable goal. Oh, you're, look, you're on TV a lot, and of course. I was terrible when I first went yes, on TV. But of Absolutely course your terrible. goal was bring people to the sure. restaurant. Yes. That's what you want. Yeah. I didn't have a restaurant, and I looked at that and I said, what if instead of just making some shit that somebody would go, now I'm hungry, I could never make that in a million years, let's go out to get it. What if they watched and they went, not only does that look good, but it looks doable. I think I could do that. That's the teaching thing right from the beginning. I wanted people not to watch and be motivated to go out and buy it. I wanted to be motivated to make it themselves. And people go, I'd say now I believe I teach people this stuff. People go, teaching? Come on, what you do? And I go, I don't think you understand. I really don't. I also, Sean, believe if I didn't do this, I could have made a great rabbi. I think I'm a good communicator. You laugh. I'm not a religious man at all, but I would go. I would go. I've sat. Trust me. I've sat in a I'm lot of synagogue, and it is sometimes it's really interesting and motivating, and other times it's boring as hell. Which hell's probably not boring because of all the heat, right? So not but, only are you teaching people how to cook, yeah, but one of the things that I love is you don't realize that you're teaching people how to build 
not just a YouTube page because YouTube's the platform. You're also doing it on TikTok, you're doing it on Pinterest, you're doing it on Instagram. It doesn't matter the platform, it's video. Yeah. What words of encouragement do you have that someone that's listening to this podcast that has <clears throat> the fear? The here's fear here's, of video. Okay, here's what it is. People will come up to me and say, I can't cook. And I go, I bet it's not that you can't cook. I bet it's that you don't cook. You're scared to. You had a bad experience. They go, you're right. I tried to make this once. Absolute failure. Obviously, I don't have the cooking gene. I go, yes, but can you ride a bike? And they go, of course I can ride a bike. I go, okay, here's the thing. There was a time in your life when you couldn't. Your parents had to hold the back of it. You fell off. You hit your elbow, your butt, or whatever. You hurt yourself. Now you can. And the difference between then and now is this little thing called practice and experience. You can't get in front of a camera because you're too scared. Well, guess what? Do it 50 times. It's going to change it. You yeah. just said you sucked when you started. 100%. If you watched my very first demo video, I'll give you the link and you can post it. Yep. I'm like a, a scared <laughs> fucking turtle. I'm like this in the camera. Hi, my name is Sam. Today, we're going to make salmon. And then I'd move over two feet. Now, we're going to do this. Now, we're going to do this. I, don't, I, was, I smiled once. Once. And now I said it took me six months to find my voice. Yeah. The only way you're going to get better at being in front of one of these is to fucking do it. Yep. You got to do it. And whether that means taking your own uh, phone and setting it up and practicing. Because you're going to get better even if that's all you did. Correct. Or show your friends. You just have to do it. No journey starts without one step forward on the floor. That's you gotta it. got to do it. That's it. Just do it. Sam, Sam, the cooking guy on all the social platforms, the cooking guy, um, Sam, you're, you're a mentor to me. You're a mentor to so many people. You're, oh, you're literally, uh, it's funny. I just watched the Bob Ross Netflix show, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, the simplification of what he did to bring people in to the art community, yeah. to enable think, people that's it. to want get to do that. Yeah. That's what, right. And that's what you're doing for cooking and you're doing for media. Here's look, here's an interesting thing. When we first opened, uh, some of the tacos at Not Not, I've done on TV. Yeah. My friends were like, what are you doing, man? I go, what do you mean? What am I doing? You try and sell tacos. He goes, but that taco and that taco you've done on TV or we're in a book. People know how to make those. I go, see, you don't, again, you don't get the business. Yep. When I show them how to make something on TV, and they can get it one of the restaurants. They want it even more because they can get it. Correct. They can have my version Access. of it. Access. Forget. Look, you go to a restaurant, you have an amazing meal, and you go, that salad dressing was so good. You you reach out to the restaurant. Could I get that recipe? The good restaurants, the restaurants that are confident in what correct. they do, understand it's not the combination of those ingredients That's solely correct. that make them successful. They're happy to give you one. It's the shitty and secure ones would be like, we're not giving that out. Our number one taco, Korean short rib, never been dethroned. In the three plus years we've been open, it's always been number one. I've done on YouTube. Yep. And people will be like, they go, don't do this with your hands. It's still number one. I've shown people how to make it. Still fucking number one. There you go. That's the gift. If you own a restaurant and you have a recipe, do not be scared to create content around that recipe and share that recipe. Show people. 
you'd the, be surprised at how much more of that product you'll sell. Look, I can make a good burger, but sometimes I just want to go out for one. Correct. Doesn't mean knowing how to make one is you're never going to go get one again. It's so comfortable talking to you. I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel like we've done this before. <laughs> Like this specifically, these questions. Are you getting that same day job thing? I am. I Boys, am. It's, it's weird. That? But it goes into the reps. The more reps that you do, the better the content <laughs> That's gets. That's it. So, yeah, this That's is it. Restaurant Influencers presented by Entrepreneur and Yelp. Um, every single week, we're going to bring you an incredible guest. Maybe not as incredible as Sam the Cooking Guy. Um, but if you want to reach out to me, it's at Sean P. Walchef on all the social platforms. Uh, we cannot wait to find the next restaurant influencer, whether it's on TikTok, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Instagram, it doesn't matter what they're doing. If they're building something on an online platform and they're bringing it into their community, this is what we're looking for. And we can't wait to share the, share the journey with you, Sam. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate you.